0: Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health.
1: Hey everyone, Tom Salemi here. Welcome back. This is your Breaking Health Podcast. I promised you Steve Krupa, I am delivering Steve Krupa. However, Steve Krupa is not. On this intro, we have been uh, socked by power outages and snowstorms up here, and uh, the combination of the two basically screwed up our schedules. <laughs> Steve and I weren't able to sync up our times to talk, so I'm gonna do this introduction all by myself. Steve had the opportunity to speak with Kent Ivanov, who's the CEO and co founder of a very cool company called VisitPay. VisitPay is working with healthcare systems to uh, help them understand their patients' abilities to pay their medical bills. And uh, as we go on, we're all going to be required to uh, pay more and more of our medical costs. So this is going to be an enormous place of risk for healthcare systems going forward. And VisitPay is trying to minimize that risk. So Kent's a nice guy. I had a chance to speak with him at the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit last year and uh, Steve continues this conversation and does a better job than I did in uh, explaining what VisitPay does. So I hope you will enjoy this conversation with Kent Ivanoff. Before I let you go, we'll, we'll be doing the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit again, tapping on October 11th in Boston. So go to healthagy.com to register. Now let's get into this podcast. <music>
2: Welcome to the Breaking Health podcast. I am here with Kent Ivanov of VisitPay. Hey Kent, how are you? Great,
0: Steve. How are
2: you? Good. Welcome. I'm glad you could join us.
0: Thank you. I'm looking forward to the conversation.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll get into your idea and your business in in just a bit. I I want to sort of uh, give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to the audience, um give us a sense of your background and and why uh why you're crazy enough to to get involved with an early stage company.
0: Right. Well, thank you. So uh, I guess my background, Steve, is is largely in consumer finance um, as, a, as a serial uh, entrepreneur. Um, I guess my uh, prior to creating this company uh, with, a, with a partner back in 2010, um, I had started a credit card company in the mid-90s and sold that company to Capital One uh, in the late 90s. Um, launched uh, a business line for Capital One. Uh, in my home state, um, eventually went back east to manage Capital One's flagship uh, credit card company business line, and uh, after the after about six years, uh, was managing the bulk of Capital One's domestic credit card portfolio. Uh, when I decided to make this uh, foray into uh, the healthcare market,
2: so Capital One. Don't, I don't have a Capital One card. I'm sorry about that.
0: You're one of one of one of the few people out there that doesn't apparently.
2: I I know, but th- don't they do like sort of those crazy commercials? Uh,
0: commercials uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Right? Uh, uh, had some uh, noted commercials with the Visigoths and and others. Yeah, the
2: Visigoths. Yeah,
0: back in the day. Yep. Um. So I was part of the uh, the brand board. It wasn't my idea, um, but I was uh, always astounded at how. Uh, Memorable those those uh, commercials were for the the consumers that we were going after.
2: And am I right in in thinking that the Capital One ma- sort of uh, made their bones, if you will, uh, offering credit to sort of a little bit lower credit score p- population, so they had a larger pool of people to offer credit to? Is that what they did? I'm I'm trying to sort of remember. Yeah, I'd say
0: you know what uh, what I would say Capital One was known for, and what is spectacular at, in my view is differentiating offers to consumers based on their unique situation um, with a with an ability to micro segment the market um, and that's overused by a lot of companies. Capital One actually does it and, and has done it for for decades where they've customized offers that allow them to to go after the entirety of the market um, without having to you know relegate themselves to um, you know one portion of the market or another, but rather be a full spectrum, uh, credit card lender back in the day and, and certainly now a, a full spectrum lender in you know, just about every major asset
2: class uh, Just but out of curiosity can can anybody get a credit card? What is your credit score have to be to get a credit card?
0: you know, I think you know some some credit card companies would offer a credit card to anyone and ultimately that what you know, the result is never great for the consumer if they're a really bad credit you know, what I appreciate about Capital One is we took a very different approach where we said, you know what, some people shouldn't have a credit card and, and a far better product for those people are a prepaid card or, you know, a, a debit card, you know, some, something that that uh, allows them to discipline themselves when they're not ready for a credit card. But for people that can handle credit, uh, you know, I think Capital One does a really nice job of responsibly lending to people through that through that medium.
2: So I'll tell you a quick story and and maybe this will be relevant to our discussion, but um it has to be it had to be right around two thousand and eight, right, which was not a great time for the banks or the credit card companies or anybody uh, in the financial services industry Somebody came to me with this this idea, and they said you know the the big issue in healthcare care that's coming up is high deductible health plans um, put a put an immediate financial burden." on insurance that have to pay the deductible, in other words, where they're getting treatments that are not optional. They don't have the money to pay it, and in fact, if you did sort of a distribution of their credit scores, you would see that, that many people wouldn't be able to qualify for credit. And there were these ideas out, this, there was an idea that I saw specifically uh, about creating a financing mechanism around, um, around payroll deductions for paying for healthcare, um deductibles and we we didn't invest in it uh, but it, it was the first time I actually you know thought about this whole issue of when you start requiring uh, health health plan members to have meaningful out- of-pocket costs, you run into sort of this problem of do they actually have the credit if they need credit that, um, yeah is is that something that inspired you to do this something that you came across while you were in the financials? Services business does that does that problem resonate with you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the the entire thesis behind our business, you know, when we when we started looking at this market in two thousand nine, um, was that, you know, at that time the Affordable Care Act was still being drafted. It was uncertain exactly how it would ul- ultimately play out in the in the in the law and the marketplace. But one thing that we felt was was absolutely um, certain is that consumers were going to be on the hook for an ever increasing share of their health care expense. And, you know, when we looked at, at kind of the way in which the affordable care act would, would hamstring insurance companies uh, from the ability to, you know, differentiate products, right. Um, that the only way insurance companies were going to be able to manage that risk was inevitably to put burden on consumers with high deductible health plans. Uh, Same for employers. Right. I mean, and and it wasn't like we were, you know, brilliant in that dimension. I think a lot of people presumed that. But our view was, gosh, when we when you look at that dynamic and then you look at the billing systems that hospitals and other providers have at at their disposal to manage that consumer receivable, um, you know, they're archaic. Uh, and and they were very archaic back in 2009, 2010, you know, they were, they were built in a, in a different era, large, you know, most of them built on 1960s technology, um, in a, in a, in a different time when, when the vast majority of the revenue that a, that a health system like Intermountain Healthcare was generating was ultimately due from some third party payer, you know, and a very small fraction of that, of that revenue was due from consumers. that's changed dramatically in the last 10 years. And our whole view was, gosh, as this dynamic changes, you know, hospitals are finding themselves in a, in a place where they have an entirely new payer class, uh, which is the consumer that is in a first loss position or a first responsibility position because of that deductible uh, for a whole bunch of their care that has never been the case in the past. And these providers are effectively um, banking uh, consumers without any of the technology or sophistication required to manage this whole new payer class. Mm -hmm. And our view was we could build a technology and leverage our expertise from consumer finance to solve that problem, not just for providers, but also for patients and to do it in a way that everybody wins.
2: Yeah, and I would tell you, you know, just from personal experience, they're doing a terrible job. I mean, I, it, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the stories. I mean, I, I still, you know, the way it works in our family, for better or for worse, is is that um, my wife pays the 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 deductibles or the copays or whatever for care, and I've got two kids, and it doesn't matter who has used, has seen the provider, we're we're Oftentimes, like we've we've had calls from like collection agencies about bills that we had already paid like three months ago. It's amazing to me. Yeah. Um, so it seems to be that there's that there's there's a struggle. The interesting, well, the interesting point that you made. Let me take a step back. Use the term that I think people should understand that that provider organizations are now banking consumers. What you're really saying is they're giving they're giving credit to people and they don't know who they are. Right. Basically.
0: Exactly. They're, you know, they're providing services, um, in advance of, of getting paid. And, uh, usually, you know, that's because it's not exactly known what the consumer is going to ultimately owe, Mm -hmm. uh, until well after the treatment is provided, you know, whatever that treatment may be. There's a claim to be
2: adjudicated there,
0: right? Exactly right. Right. And, and, you know, health systems are pretty good at estimating, you know, office visits, but when it comes to estimating, you know the cost of a uh, you know any number of different procedures you know that can really vary by um, what actually happens when you get in the operating room right or 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 uh, you know when different um, treatment methodologies are used you know MRIs with contrast versus without contrast. Um, and, and so it's not really known, uh, with any degree of certainty, what that consumer is going to owe until after insurance is adjudicated. And, and sometimes that can be, you know, weeks, if not months after the treatments provided. And so the health systems have, have effectively created credit, um, unwittingly, um, without any of the tools that they would need to really understand how to manage that differently. And our view was, you know, we could really change that, that entire equation, And do it in a way that that creates great transparency for consumers, um, transparency for the provider as well, um, and and just as important, give people the ability to um, pay over time on uh, dimensions that matter to them in their situation, but always within the policies and, and constraints that made sense for the health system or the provider. And, um, you know, that's what our platform does in a, in a fully automated fashion.
1: We're going to take a quick break from this conversation to tell you about our upcoming MedTech conference. Yes, MedTech. MedTech and digital health are intersecting more and more. And the upcoming MedTech conference, which is happening on May 31st in Minneapolis, will uh, we'll represent that well. Specifically, Lisa Soonan is uh, of GE Ventures, and of course, Venture Valkyrie, will be moderating a panel called The Impact of Data, Machine Learning, and Artificial Intelligence on the MedTech Industry. She'll have CEOs of Arteris and Propella Health, and the Chief Medical Officer of Health Reveal, along with a senior executive from Boston Scientific to talk about the impact that uh, machine learning, AI, and and increased data is having on MedTech. So, I think it's an important conversation for our med tech population, but I think our digital health folks should pay attention as well. So if you are increasingly into med tech, the med tech conference is a great place to uh, gain a broader understanding of the sector. Again, it's happening on May 31st in Minneapolis. Go to medtechconference.com to register. Now let's get back into this conversation.
2: Yeah, so let's talk about how that how that works. Uh, the company is Visit Pay. Is what is the is the product the same name or is the product different?
0: Yeah, the no. The yeah the, the the product or the company started. You know, you know it's interesting. You know, just as a little bit of a, chewing back to your earlier question. You know, this is probably the one vertical that Capital One and other major lenders don't participate in in a meaningful way, and it's not because they haven't tried. It, it's because they've they've tried and not done well, right? Um, and and the reason for that is they haven't been able to predict why two guys that look identical to Experian, you know, uh, Kent Ivanov and and Stephen Krupa, you know, both have 800 FICO scores, um, you know, both own their homes, uh, both pay all their credit card bills, et cetera. Yet you pay a fraction of your healthcare bills, uh, and I pay all of mine, and, and you know, you can't use typical credit reporting data uh, to understand how we pay our bills so fundamentally differently. And, and so our thesis behind the, behind the business was I I bet there is data out there that would explain those differences. Um, And, and, and our view was, we're not going to just presume that we're going to test and learn that. And so we started our business by building a business intelligence platform to understand the entirety of, of the revenue cycle for a, for a health system provider both in terms of payer and patient dynamics. Um, After we learned that and learned their economic model, we then set about building scores to prove that we could predict both propensity to pay um, as well as ability to pay, to really understand risk and repayment dynamics across millions of households across the country. Um, After we had done that and we were able to prove that in multiple markets across the country, we then said, you know, even with that insight, if you're just bolted on to the side of these legacy systems, you're only gonna be as good as Epic is, and you're only gonna be as good as Cerner is. And, and to be really candid, they're not very good on managing patient obligation, um, and especially managing that patient experience with the kind of 21st century set of experiences that consumers today demand and, and fully expect, right? Um, and so we built a platform that created those 21st century experiences, the same types of experiences you've come to expect every day in your credit card relationships and your insurance relationships, your banking relationships, um, and deploy that in healthcare uh, with a platform that interoperates with those legacy systems like Epic and Cerner and Meditech, McKesson, um, but allows the health system to untether themselves from the constraints of those systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's really what the platform does. So it's an integrated system that that helps a, a a hospital and a patient manage that bill from you know in you know from the time of the office visit all the way through resolution.
2: So how uh, how first of all how does that how does that work? Like I know the I know the EMRs essentially they were built with the goal that they would produce a bill, right? That's pretty yep. much what they do. Yeah. And now they they've been pushed into more of a clinical uh database type of an application for Providers as well for clinical information, but it, but when it's all said and done, if I have an encounter with a hospital that's on a uh, either a practice management system, if it's a, with a with a, with a doctor or an EMR, if it's inside the hospital, let's say the, the at the end the end result is is I there will be a bill that's sent to the insurance company, right? Mm-hmm. Or to me if I'm not insured, but that's probably less the case. Is, is is it your ability? Is it your ability to? What does your system do? Does it does it capture that bill right away? Um, what is what are the advantages to your system, and how does it help the consumer and the hospitals?
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, start with just kind of the general um, offer set that we that we provide to a consumer. So you know the the first thing that consumers and this is based on research that we've done. You know. Uh, literally for, with millions of consumers across the country through our clients, um, and kind of capturing all of their learnings, um, uh, over the years with the various, you know, consumer collection, you know, uh, survey collection materials that they, that they've, uh, orchestrated over the years. But, you know, one thing that frustrates consumers is getting multiple bills, um, from the same provider and consumers don't understand why that is right. Um, they get a hospital bill, they get a, a doctor bill. Yet they had all of their treatment at one health system. You know, pick pick the health system of your choosing. Um, or they get a bill for their um, son um, and a separate bill uh, for the follow up visit for their son because you know the spouse took the the child to the to the hospital. Um, they get an explanation of benefits. Uh, oftentimes, they get multiple explanation of benefits seemingly for the same visit. Um, those, those visits or those EOBs, um, say this is not a bill, but they kind of look like a bill. Um, it says your provider, you know, may charge you for this, but it doesn't say your provider will charge you for that, right? There's just a lot of confusion. So the, you know, the first thing that, that we offer consumers is the ability to link any number of people within their household or extended household to one, managing account, so I can manage my adult parents' accounts. You know they're aged; they need help. I can manage my college-age son's account. I can manage my wife's account, um, and all of our respective dependents funnel through one VisitPay account. So that's the first thing: is we create this convenient kind of clearinghouse for those obligations with 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 a given health system. Um, you know, the the second thing we do is we we present one bill a month. So we aggregate all those charges and once a month you're going to get a statement of, ch- of charges as opposed to you know a series of independent bills. You're going to get a, uh, a statement of charges that allows the consumer to double click on any one of those visits and see with a great deal of detail all of the transactions that have taken place from the original charges, the amount of their copay, what was collected at point of service Um, How much is insurance paid? How much has insurance uh, written off on a contractual adjustment? Any payments I may have paid as a consumer or somebody else paid on my behalf? I can see longitudinally exactly how that balance was achieved. But we go further and represent right alongside that provider bill or that set of charges, the explanation of benefits that tie to it. So for the first time in healthcare, on one screen, I can not only see my bill from Intermountain Healthcare, but I can also see my explanation of benefits for Blue Cross um, and, and see for the first time that exactly how those those two documents tie to one another and confirm that I really do owe what I'm being billed for. So that's kind of the first step in the whole process is, is to create transparency. Um, you know, the next thing that that happens is that, you know, I'm going to get that bill once a month. I'm gonna be able to manage all those various people uh, and their sets of charges. And through one payment, um, I can clear those charges if I have the means to do so. And and I'm gonna be presented the option to get perhaps discounts if I pay in full um, that can be differentiated uh, on behalf of the health system through our platform. So the type of discount that Steve Krupa may get could be different than the type of discount I get because maybe I need more financial assistance, right? Or um, for any number of reasons, maybe you're part of their ACO and and they have a special relationship for people that, that they've sold that plan to. Um, but we can create those differentiated set of offers. I think more importantly, especially for people with high deductible health plans, if I've got a bill that I can't pay in a lump sum, um, As a consumer, I can start interacting with our platform to design a financing plan or a payment plan that works for me and my family. Um, Behind the scenes, uh, we will take policies that have been established with our clients, um, along with an understanding of that person's propensity to pay, ability to pay, type of treatment, you know, whether that was an elective charge, a medically necessary set of charges, the um, balance, you know, any number of different variables to create the set of options that the consumer ultimately can can, can play with um, to make sure that not only do they design a plan that works for them, but they also design a plan that, that works financially for the health system um, to really optimize the, the experience for the consumer and the economic outcome for the provider. Um, all done you know, in the privacy of their home um, in a system-to-system kind of communication way um, where they're self-servicing. So the health system doesn't have to get involved. Um, the consumer is is basically driving his own experience or her own experience in a way that makes sense to them.
2: Very cool. So let me see if I can break this down. So one bill per month, that's integration with – the, um, EMR basically, or the revenue cycle management system, whatever they're using and multiple uh, systems. Multi- oh, sure. sure. Um, uh, original charges, uh, plus the, uh, EOB that's integrating with, uh, the health plans claim system, right? Correct. And then, uh, the payment system would be integrating with some form of financing, right? Unless right. one form is just pay it, but based on, uh, options like discounts or payment plans, you're integrating with the banking system at that point, right? So you're creating an integrated environment that, that integrates the billing uh, claims adjudication and banking system together for the benefit of the patient and the provider. Is that the way to think about it?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the outcomes, Steve are are pretty astounding. So, you know, it's a, it's it's a, between a 40 and 50% increase in satisfaction levels um, if you ask the patient, you know, how, how do you how do you like this experience versus, you know, what you're used to? Oh my God. Um, you know, dramatic increase on that front. Um, it, it's wildly more efficient from a servicing perspective for, for the health system. You know, one of our clients manages, you know, 30% of their patient payments come through our platform. And every month it's growing as more consumers adopt it. But, you know, 30% of their patient cash payments are, are managed through our platform with basically two and a half FTE. You know, the other 70% of their payments are managed um, with over 50 FTE right. um, with, you know, an order of magnitude more cost, a couple of orders of magnitude more cost. Um, but the biggest thing that's different about our system is we turn bad debt into payments. Uh, meaning that, you know, um, and, and it's a it's a it's a significant number. It's it's on average a 20 percent increase in no kidding payments, um, you
2: know, and a corresponding decrease in bad debt. Very cool. So um, so how are you how are you uh, being able to pro- provide financing for uh, for these patients? Yes, yeah,
0: so we can do it <clears throat> one of two ways. Um, you know, oftentimes if we're dealing with a health system that has a, a great balance sheet And most of our clients, uh, today, well, actually all of our clients today have very strong balance sheets, really, really, um, well-capitalized entities. Um, they're happy to keep the, the long-term financing on their books, if you will. Um, that's not true of all providers in the marketplace. And, and as you know, you probably know, Moody's downgraded the entire, um, sector, uh, last year with a negative outlook, um, And and part of that is this dynamic of eroding health system margins um, that's certainly being exacerbated by the rise of patient obligation and patient revenue. And so, um, you know, we think for a lot of health systems, um, it makes sense for another balance sheet to be leveraged um, and for those assets not to be held on the health systems balance sheet, especially if they're long duration financing plans but to be held on the balance sheet of an entity that's built for that purpose. And so um, we will be announcing a very unique partnership that we've created with a large national lending institution, one of the largest in the world, that we will be providing um, exclusively, um, us to them and they to us, this um, option for health system providers to um, offload those balances to a balance sheet we provide in partnership with that entity.
2: Very cool. Well, we'll look forward to that announcement whenever you're ready. We'll, coming we'll, soon. Coming soon. Coming soon. So, um, boy, we could keep going on this, but I, but I, but I feel like we're 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 starting to top out in terms of time. Give me a sense for how big the company is, uh, how many employees, how many customers, um, yep. where you're operating today. Just some some basic stats.
0: Yeah. So we've got um, contractual relationships with health systems with about thirty billion in net patient revenue. Um, that number, uh, will be doubling in the course of, uh, the next couple of weeks with contracts that we have underway with multiple different health systems. Uh, we're national in scope. So we've got, uh, clients on the East coast as well as the West coast. Um, you know, Innova, for example, uh, on the East coast, uh, Intermountain, uh, and, and several others, uh, in the West, um, employees. Uh, we've got employees across the country, uh, concentrated mostly in Boise, Idaho, which is where we're headquartered and Salt Lake city. Um, our headcount's around 70. Um, you know, we've, we've built a really efficient model so, um, you know, we can scale our business without having to add a tremendous number of folks, but I would, I would think that number will double in the, in the coming year.
2: Very cool. Um, so yeah, so give us a sense for how the, the, you know, um, the listeners can find out about you. I know you've got a website. Are you blogging? Are you on Twitter? What are you, yeah. how are you guys getting the word out?
0: Yeah, we're doing all of the above. Um, so, uh, dot com is probably the easiest way to go to our website. Um, uh, we have Twitter accounts, we blog and, uh, would be thrilled
2: to, uh, engage with, uh, your listeners. Terrific. Well, Kent, thank you for joining me. I really enjoyed talking. Very cool idea. Like I said, this is something I got exposed to probably 10 years ago and it's definitely out there as a major issue. And uh, it sounds like you've got a pretty awesome solution. So best of luck to you. And I really uh,
1: appreciate you talking with me.
0: Thanks so much, Steve. Really, really uh, enjoyed it. Take care.
1: (music) All right, that is a wrap. Kent Ivanov of VisitPay, thank you for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast. Steve Krupa, great to have you back in the big chair doing these interviews, another fine job. Breaking Health Podcast listeners, thank you for listening. Please do give us a ranking on iTunes or subscribe to the podcast or tell your friends or do all of the above. You can also reach out to me, let us know what we're doing well. I am on Twitter at MedTechTom. Or you can email me directly, tom at healthogy.com. That is the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y.com. Don't forget the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit is happening on October 11th in Boston. And don't forget to check out the agenda for the MedTech Conference. That's on at medtechconference.com. That'll be held on May 31st in Minneapolis. Tune in in two weeks. We'll have another podcast for you by Steve Krupa. And uh, we'll resume our regular weekly schedule probably sometime in April. Thanks again, everyone.